And we're live. Buck, how are you doing? I'm good, Caleb. So I have been listening to your podcast for, um, let's see, I started listening when you did that post-libertarian live stream with So, Andrew, oh, yeah. Pete, who else was there? Um, we had Matt. Pete, so, Matt, uh, yeah, Matt. Yeah. All the uh, good people. Yeah, there were some good people. That got a lot of views and a lot of... Uh, <laughs> comments <laughs> i yeah. mean not just on the actual post but it got a lot of um kerfuffle we'll say yeah i don't know do you consider yourself a post-libertarian or what kind of term do you use to kind of describe where you're at now honestly i'm not totally sure what that is um anymore i i think it's more so used today as a uh pejorative um with people that i suppose are referencing Matt, I don't actually know who they're referencing. We were talking about that the other day. I think they mean some version of Matt, Andrew, Pete, Jason Stapleton, myself, um, maybe now Mark Claire. <laughs> he had a big out, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, Adam Patrick, I suppose. Um, I don't use that term, really. If someone said, what are you politically? I wouldn't say post-libertarian. Um I don't really love labels as much as I used to, but I suppose to make things simple, I would say paleo-libertarian. That's, that's kind of the term I've started using, paleo-libertarian or praxian. Yes. Yeah. Praxian is, is fine, but that's so such a niche in an yeah. already niche political like, movement. So if and, I talk to someone cap is already niche, you know, it's like we're going. Yeah. If I talk to someone at work and they said, well, what are you politically? If I said Praxian, they'd, you know, I, libertarian was weird enough. They wouldn't know yeah. what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Now, paleo, paleo is a good term, I think. It, yes. It gets the point across, you know, libertarian, but more right wing than yes. the typical not left, not right kind of people. Yes. So you're wanting for mayor, is that correct? Not yet. Not yet. Um, I mean, you're, you're like, like the day Smith. I'm, I, I talk about it, but I'm not going to do nah. it. <laughs> well, uh, the first step might be city councilman. We'll have mm. to see. There's the the lady that represents me ran unopposed last time. Mm. I find that interesting <laughs> and intriguing. Um, another thing, if I do run, it will be with the intent to win. Um, mm. I, you mentioned Dave Smith doing his thing. That's a whole different thing on its own. Um, but I, you know, there's no intention to win there, um, and I would never run a campaign. Unless I thought I could win. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that sentiment. Yeah. When it comes to the whole federal level, like uh, I know a lot of people in kind of our paleo space don't like the day Smith one. I don't care about the federal level. And so if he thinks he can, you know, make 10, 15 more libertarians for Twitter, I don't, I mean, as long as it doesn't inhibit my ability to work in the local level, I could care less what he does on the federal level. He's not going to make any changes besides, you know, maybe getting some attention drawn. So yeah. I'm indifferent. So let's talk about your political history, libertarian, obviously. I see the Ross Bard set. How did you come to the ideas of liberty? Like, I don't, I don't know your, like, liberty origin story. Oh, okay. Well, it's it was a lot longer time ago than a lot of people. It was way before the 2008 Ron Paul stuff. Um, let me just take a sip. I um, I stumbled onto a book. It was a mix of things, a cocktail, as Mark Clare once called it, uh, between a cocktail of Harry Brown 
and Ron Paul and Alex Jones. And I say that because I lived in Austin, Texas, and I moved there in 98. And we had a FM talk radio station, and Alex Jones was on it. Also, he was on, um, he so far back then, he was on um, public access here. And well, I was in Austin. We're not there now. But he was in um, public access, so I would I knew who he was. I started listening to him in the afternoons. He would have Ron Paul on uh, on his radio show. Somehow they talked about libertarianism and Harry Brown, and so I bought a Harry Brown book. And uh, once I read that, I couldn't unsee or unthink any of the things I started thinking. And so that's when I jumped into the liberty movement. And I was I jumped into the Libertarian Party. I did all of that stuff. I went to delegate things in local meetings through in Austin, Texas. Uh, I supported Michael Badnerick in 2004. I I uh, I didn't want to, but I supported Bob Barr in 2008. You know, as the back then I was like for the libertarians, we're not supposed to have to hold our nose when we vote for the person we really want to vote mm -hmm. for. Yep, we started doing that. Then it continued with that cycle uh every 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 election since then. I'm where we are. I, I, I've heard the name Harry Brown. I don't know who that is. He ran for president of the Liber uh, representing the Libertarian Party. He ran for president of uh, the United States in 2000, I believe also in 96. And uh, he was a very, very uh, polished speaker, very bright uh, man. He was very, very good. And he uh, was a good writer, too. And when he wrote his book, The Great Libertarian Offer, uh, it basically went subject by subject and gave the libertarian position, the real libertarian position, not some kind of watered down mess that they would give you today. And I was like, damn, this is, you know, like we all think when we read it, this makes so much sense. This is so logical. And so, uh, yeah, he's, he's passed away since. And uh, yeah, that's why. And I, I would say I would be, I was what I would call a blue pilled libertarian up until about 2016, 17, somewhere I started to kind of realize what was really going on. Having said that, I was also big into the conspiracy stuff because of Alex Jones, you know, probably through 06, 07, 08, and some of that started, I started losing interest in some of that too. I never really did the whole conspiracy theory thing. Like, I never went deep on it. Like, I watched Alex Jones maybe two months, and I was like, I don't have the energy for this. Yeah, um, I, I could never get into the. I grew series. up with him, so to speak. I mean, I was 21 when, when I heard him, and so it went from. And he was a lot more tame back then. He still went on some rants, and uh, so I, I kind of just got into politics because hearing him. So I, it's like you get a. I developed a taste for him. Mm. Now he definitely does. He, he he pumps himself up purposely like a wrestling character. Uh, to get you know attention and stuff like that, but I I still find it amusing. Yeah, he's definitely uh whenever he goes on Rogan, I'm listening. Like his Tim Dillon episode with Rogan, I was dying of laughter the whole time. Yep. Yeah, Rogan's one of those guys. The show's so damn long, I have to see the guest uh, and go, okay, this one I'll listen to. And you know, Malice, yeah. Dave Smith, and, and Alex, of course. If Alex is on there, I'm I'm listening. That's about the only ones I listen to at this point. If it's uh, okay, if Ben Shapiro goes on, I listen to kind of hear what the Boomacon stuff is. Uh huh. I, I, I try to stay in the know with the right wing circles, but trying mm -hmm. to watch anyone Daily Wire anymore is just 
it's so hard. I don't know if you saw or not, but they did a uh, live show and someone asked them about Succession. And they had a 15 minute debate on Succession and it was the cringiest thing I've ever seen in my life. No, I didn't was, see that. Let me guess. Oh, it's it's so bad. That, did he say that it has some ties to slavery and stuff like yes. that? Yes. Of course. Okay. Brought up slavery, brought up uh, nuclear missiles. What are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with yeah. the federal government? And yeah. Matt Walsh is Matt, – Matt Walsh – it's sad, but Matt Walsh is a reasonable one. Yeah, sure. And he's just like, we hate them and they hate us. Why are we going to live together anymore? And it's like, how is he being reasonable here? It's It was so weird. Yeah. <sighs> so let's kind of talk about uh, localism a little bit here because um, – you you are a big fan of Hopper. I've heard you talk about Hopper's uh, What Must Be Done. I, I watched that for the first time recently and really, it's really good. Yeah. So how does he find out about Hopper? Because he's kind of one of those libertarian figures that if you once you get really into it, you find out who he is and you hate him or love him. So how does he find out about, about Hopper? I don't remember specifically, but I was already a fan of the Mises Institute, so I would imagine mm -hmm. it was somehow – through them, uh, maybe through Lou or Jeff, or maybe Tom Woods talked about it on his show, something like that. Um, but yeah, he's amazing, uh, Hoppe. Yeah. Um, so uh, understated, uh, like he says, he reminds me in a way of Lou Rockwell in that he has this kind of chill, quiet way of stating like the coolest radical ideas that yeah. a lot of people aren't familiar with at first and kind of, you know, they, they want to tread lightly before getting into some of these topics, but they're so fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. Hopper for me, the first time I ever heard Hopper was when I heard the, uh, how do you how to say it? If um, You can reduce the problem by one if you just simply kill yourself. Yeah. That was my first time hearing Hopper. And I'm like, I want to hear more of this guy. He's hilarious. And I yeah. actually read his books. I'm like, oh, this guy, he's not this funny. <laughs> yeah. Did you read his last one? I think was called. It's over there somewhere. Uh, Getting libertarianism right. It's very small. It's it's almost a pamphlet of sorts. That is the only Hopper book I uh, I own that I haven't read yet. I own I own every Hopper book, and I've read all but like two of them now. Nice. And that's the that's the one I'm trying to. Read. I want. I have a guest for it, and I have had the cancer and we scheduled three times now. Who is the uh, a base Hoppian on Twitter? He's okay. a. Yeah. I, I try to do the book club episodes with like other Twitter people. The go yeah. the go for the book club was like um was it Jeff Dice has this whole uh human accent podcast where he gets big name people for the books. I want to do the or same podcast. thing, but for Twitter people. Okay. You know, yeah. Get people that stands to kind of get used to talking on a podcast and then I don't have to worry about trying to get a big name. So it's it's fun though. Um I saw you reaching out to Stephen Kinsella. Yes. He came on a, a while ago to do a explaining me like I'm five. I do a series of like explaining me like I'm five. Yes. He, yeah. He did um what was it? uh intellectual property yeah. he's coming on again next friday or sorry in seven days from today he's coming on to do argumentation ethics oh that's one of my favorite ones too yeah it's i know i know enough about it just to like get my family to run around when they ask questions so i'm actually looking forward to getting a deep dive into that one that's a hoppian thing you know that though yep okay yeah. it's yeah most of my stuff comes like i'm, I'm very big in the natural law i'm catholic and so i love the natural law stuff i love ethics of liberty but the hopper stuff is so much more Easily digestible and compelling. Yeah, I don't have to I, make any pleads or anything else. Just state a fact and go from there. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Excuse me. Mm. Is that pre-workout? It. <laughs> it um. Yeah, it's a C four brain one. Oh so yeah. I I, like I really like it. Me too. 
Honestly, I need I need to stop drinking so much caffeine. Like I walk's got me walking like six to six lately, so I'm drinking like two Red Bulls and a pre-workout at night. It's just woo. Yeah, I don't I don't sleep much anymore. Yeah, guess not. So let's talk about Florida and Texas. Yeah. Are you, from, are you, you uh, are you born and raised Texas, or did you move to Texas? I'm born and raised Texas. I lived in California when I was young for a bit, but I was born in an area called Aldine outside of Houston. Uh, then went to California, then back to Texas, and then I've lived in and around Texas since I was a teenager, basically. Nice. Yeah, people from Texas and Florida, I think, one, we view politics differently, especially the libertarians from us. Like, yep. you talk to people from like Mises Caucus or from even Paleos in other states, they just they don't how to put this. They don't think the state can do good. They had this very view of the state always is going to be evil. And I think because we live in Florida and Texas, we kind of saw, hey, states can do good sometimes. You know, like yep. Ron DeSantis did a lot of good this last year. Even our, you're in Texas, right? Florida. Oh, you're in Florida. Okay. Even our guy, Abbott, has done <laughs> a few things good lately, surprisingly. It took a while. It, you know what it took is Don Huffines pushing him, uh, challenging him from the right mm. is, what, is what it's taken. I'm I'm hoping someone does that to like Ron DeSantis is almost perfect. I yeah. hope we get like someone just a little bit better just to make him perfect, you know? Just to challenge him and push him in that, that last little yeah. I, I, I want Soda to do it, but I know he won't. But I want Soda to do it. I want him to run for governor. So? Yeah, I want I, if So could do anything and everything, that'd be my that'd be my standard. Like so is my standard for every partisan. I bet you'll see Tho running for something at some point. Oh, Maybe. I hope. Yeah. He's oh I love so. I found him on a podcast. I got I'm trying to get him on again. Anytime I can talk to him, I saw him down in a Tom Woods event. I got oh. a photo. It's he's I love I love the guy. Um how was that event? Oh amazing. It was my first Liberty event, and oh. I'm never missing one again. I don't know if I got if I gotta fly five states away, I'm going to them. Like these are too much fun to miss. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, and that's it's, probably you say that's your first uh your it might spoil you. They're not all that crazy and big, but yeah. My first time doing a dining dash was at a Liberty event. A I think that, yeah, well, I was day drunk because I didn't like I didn't plan to be. I got two drinks and the second one, like it was ice cream. And I'm like, oh cool, it's like an ice cream with like some booze in it. I'll get that. And I ordered it. And he poured in like three sorts of rum, two sorts of bourbon, and just kept pouring in drinks. And so I had it and I'm drinking that eating my burger. My friend's like, hey, the event starts soon. And so I just got up and left. Oh shit. Without paying completely- for the burger. Stop paying for the burger or anything. Just got up and left. I went down to the front desk because they were closed later. I'm like, hey, I didn't pay for my food. Can y'all send me the receipt? And they said no. They said just so, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So I don't have to pay for it. But I still feel bad because it was a really good burger and I wanted to pay for it. The irony of of not paying for a service to go run quickly to a libertarian thing. I mean, you didn't know. You didn't realize that's what you were yeah. doing, but it's funny. But that's why I find it funny as well. I, I'm, I'm saying to the event, everyone's like laughing at this, at this, um, this magician. I'm like, I didn't pay for my food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that was cutting Tom Woods in half. Yes. Oh, it was. It was and honestly, the um, the heckler came up. The heckler of Michael Malice I heard was I the greatest thing. Ma- Malice handled it like a pro. What I never seen anyone handle it. I don't know. And I, I do know that after the event, Tom Woods found a guy and laid the fuck into him. He did. Yeah, apparently he lost his. He just lost his cool and was just yelling at the guy for like ten minutes. Wow, 
Like, right. can, can you imagine being that guy? You wake up hungover as hell the next day, and all you see on Twitter is footage of you running at Michael Malice. And then Tom Wood, yeah, chewed you out. Was he there for that event? Yes. <laughs> what a weirdo. Okay. Yeah, well, Michael Malice had a mask on. He was not happy about it. Right. Well, Michael he Malice was... troll. Yeah, he, he, bought out a, he bought out a puppet of Tom Woods. What do you expect? Right. <laughs> it was, uh... So back to the question, why do you think people from Florida and Texas do politics differently? Like, where does the going? Because even before COVID stuff happened, it kind of seemed like they had a different vibe towards things. I, I, I can't answer for Florida, but I can answer for Texas. There's a streak. So here, let me, I can, I can do it in different levels. I think in America, we have this rebellious streak in us in general i say us <laughs> half of us don't obviously but 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 generally compared to say england we have a rebellious streak and i've got friends musician friends in europe and i've just noticed it over my years of being friends with them even the ones that agree with me politically there's just more of a subservient nature to europeans when they discuss government and 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 how they live under and view government and for instance speaking of harry brown i had a book once when i was on to i was i'm a musician i was on tour in europe um with a european band and i had harry brown's book why why government doesn't work <clears throat> and one of the guys saw it and he it he could not even fathom why there would be a book like that you know <laughs> government doesn't work what you don't what do you mean what you don't like government like it was so it was just foreign <laughs> literally and figuratively and so in America, we have that. Well, then you could take it back down to a more local level. And in Texas, compared to the other states in this union, we have even more of that. Maybe it's because we're our own country at one time. I don't know if the kind of like this heritage here in Texas just builds up over time and there's it's just part of our culture. Mm. We have a much more uh, we do what we want attitude than a lot of the other states uh in austin it's not like that as much because it's a real progressive city but even there there is some of that uh that spirit and like for instance when my wife excuse me my wife moved here from california she said she, i've never seen a state more proud of itself than this state. like the flags are more ubiquitous than the american flag here <laughs> and so I think there's just that kind of spirit of independence here in Texas that a lot of other states don't have. And Tho points this out, and I think he's right. A lot of our politicians as of late of this in this state kind of rest on the laurels of that reputation without necessarily living that reputation. Um, I certainly think guys like Don, Don Huffines represent it much more than Greg Abbott does. Mm -hmm. But like we mentioned, Don Huffines is pushing Greg Abbott to the right. So he's he's starting to represent that a little bit. You know, when you talk about states pushing back against Biden's COVID mandate, or his vaccine mandates, which he hasn't signed yet, but the <laughs> spirit of that mandate, it's Florida and Texas. And I think maybe South Dakota. And there's some other ones that said they're going to do it. But Florida and Texas are basically first to say, absolutely not. And now Greg Abbott's saying, not only will businesses not mandate this in our state it's against the law for them to and it's against the law for them to require customers or anything any entity in this state cannot mandate a vaccine 
uh, whether it's an employee or a customer. It's amazing. Yeah, that, that law caused a lot of controversy on Twitter. Yeah, if for anyone who's left wing, you will not like that law. Yeah, I got uh, what's his name, uh, Clint from Liberty Lockdown. He's coming on Friday, to kind of talk about the whole fascism, government, libertarian issue. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, my theory on why Florida is different is the, the stereotype of the crazy Florida man who gives no fucks. Yeah, yeah. And sure. everyone in Florida loves that stereotype and loves to play into it. Yeah, that's a I really good point. Or is it? I had I had a joke. My joke for like half of COVID. My joke was uh, the reason we never have a hardcore mask mandate is because Ryan understands like you can't do cocaine in a mask. Right. And then at a football game, he said he can't drink a beer in a mask, and it's like okay. Same spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same Florida guy energy. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's great. I live in the most like Florida. I live in Polk County. That's the most Florida part of Florida. Like it's Central oh. Florida. It's the swamp. It is. It is known as the Florida part of Florida. We had no ma- no mask mandates, no nothing. Like my in Bartow, we had a lockdown for like for maybe a week. That was the longest lockdown we had. That's wow. nothing else. We just right. right. We do not care. That's it's, cool. That's good. Then it's just it's, it, it, it's humid. I bet. Yeah, it's not great. It's, it's if it, if Florida had better temperature, it'd be the be the utopia. It'd be the best place on the planet. Well, it'd be it yeah. All the people in California would move there. You know, that's that's the that's why California's so crowded because temperature and and climate wise, why wouldn't you want to be there? It's all the other yeah. shit that comes with it. Yeah. Well, I. That's not what I actually for a moment. Um, keeping people out of your state because you got a lot of people. You got a lot of people moving to your state. I know. I'm sure that's like not a lot of people moving to Florida. Like. You notice that like Florida seems to be better by most metrics, and no offense to Texas, but it seems like on COVID stuff seems a bit better because of DeSantis. Yeah. But more people are moving to Texas. Why do you think that is? I, I can't seem to figure out why people are choosing people who leave California and New York are flocking to Texas and not not Florida. I can't. Why is that? I don't know. Um, I, one theory off the top of my head, I haven't tr- I haven't thought about that why they would come here not Florida, but I think the city of Austin attracts them and there's some uh, sense of security that their progressive ways can still be intact Mm. by moving to such a redneck ignorant state like ours but i can be in austin so it's okay there might be some of that there um but and now austin's a complete shithole because of those people Mm. um i don't know that's a good question i thought they were also moving i thought it was like new york down to florida California over to Texas. Yeah, Florida is not getting as like by by numbers. Florida is not getting anywhere near as many people. Wow! Like you don't see many people moving to Florida, and if they are, they're moving to Miami. And Miami is like Miami is like the most left wing part of Florida, and Miami's oh. nothing like regular left wing cities. Okay, My, Miami's its own thing. I can't figure it out. It's got a big Latin culture to it, doesn't it? The feel yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. It it, it it honestly feels like a different country when you walk around. This is like the way people carry themselves and walk around it's so foreign to what i'm used to and even in florida there's already more you know different other places it's yeah no if like miami's just weird i've only been there a few times because i don't like it i really don't like the city it's do you do you get a vibe there in florida just generally and probably not specifically where you're at but broadly that there's a a, a rising movement against desantis or are they embracing him and they love him they hate Nikki Freed. That's about the standard. Okay. <laughs> they, well, she, they, yeah. 
the the love of DeSantis is like gratitude. I don't know if it's like for support. Okay. And it's weird because like people in Florida did no one in Florida wants him to run for president. Like I know very few people who actually want him to leave. No one wants I, him to leave. Yes, I've heard that. And so a lot of people is like are supporting him on the metric that he'd better not leave. And so it's like we don't want to celebrate his celebrate him too much because he's like, yeah, I'm I am the shit. I want for president. We don't want that. So we're trying to figure out a way to keep him from getting too high on his own horse. It's the weird energy for it's weird energy around DeSantis in Florida. Because how do people in Florida are boomers who focus all about politics? Yeah. And there's a half of people who do cocaine and don't care. Yeah. Like those are the two kinds of people in Florida. Either you do cocaine and you don't care, or you care way too much. Yeah, yeah, so, sure. Got a question for Buck for my favorite my favorite Texan, Rob. I have a question for Buck, if I may. Does he think the average Democrat in Texas is more conservative than the average Republican in most other states? No. Uh, not not from my personal experience. And keep in mind, I was in Austin, Texas, so the average Democrat there is uh, uh, intolerably horrible. And some of my wife's family are Republicans that now live in Texas, but they were from California and then Washington. And they were – they're red-pilled as shit now. They're hardcore – you know, there are a lot of the stuff they say sounds like stuff we would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, no, my own experience is the, the uh, Republicans that were in California, a lot of them have left. But compared to the Democrats in Austin, my goodness, the Democrats in Austin are about as horrible as you can get. I mean, there's an actual socialist on the city council. Oh. Maybe Texas should just succeed from Austin. Maybe it has to be the. I don't know how that's going to work. There was a there's a guy running for mayor in Austin a few years back that wanted to. <laughs> he was being serious, I think, build a wall around Austin and make Uber pay for it. Um, <laughs> if we could do that and then not let them leave it, uh, you know, I, I wish we could do something like that. I just don't want them moving to Lockhart, Texas, where I'm at now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I as. People in the Democrats in Florida aren't are weird because a lot of the, Demo, the Democrats that I know, the left wing people I know, are in Florida. Aren't unless you go to the college and talk to like the socially progressive feminist left people. Most of the, the uh, how to put this, I don't consider those people adults. So the adult the, the adult Democrats are not very socialist Democrat, but yeah. the, the young people are so they're just fucking gone. Yes. I had a friend of mine, he's going to like, one of those like kind of a, a liberal arts college in the area. And he's like, how do you, because he knows I'm into like reading Thomas DeLorenzo and a lot of books on socialism. He's like, how do you like talk to a socialist about things in the mind? I'm like, you don't. No, you don't. You I don't. mean, that, that's like talking to an, uh, a Southern Baptist and saying, why don't you convert to, you know, Scientology or something like yeah, that? You're not going to. Yeah, I said, it's like, it's like, the, it's like the Borg in Star Trek. They've joined the collective. You can't get them back. Yeah, yep. It's like, um, and it's it's, it's it's uh the attitude they have here, and specifically those kind of cars types, they don't want to argue. They want to mo- make fun of you and mock you, and then let the professor deal with you because they don't they, they can't argue with themselves. Right. Yeah. And so I've just told him just to silence his professor, which yeah. um he has a professor who's like a Civil War history buff. Oh, okay. He mentioned um my friend's reading uh, the Real Lincoln by Thomas DeLorenzo. Yeah. And the professor was like, "Yeah, I don't like DeLorenzo. He takes too much of a negative view on Lincoln." I'm like, oh, he knows who he is. You knows can destroy him now. Yeah. He knows who he is, and now you have the ammunition to go at him. Do it. Yes. Make, yes. Humiliate him in front of his class. There's an old book. Uh, I'd go grab it. But yeah. It's called The South Was Right. 
mm-hmm. by the Kennedy brothers. And when I, when I was, I took, you know, I took a few years of college, <clears throat> I took a history course and I actually liked, you know, I, I don't know if you knew this. I used to be obsessed with Southern um, history. And so I took this class thinking this guy is not going to be very good on this. And he actually was. He was pretty fair, I would say. And I, I loved his class. And at the end of the class, I liked him so much. I got him the book. The, <laughs> the South was right. I said, just thought you'd be interested in this. You know, it's like even in college, I was already in a <laughs> passing out this propaganda. It's funny. Nice. No, that, was, that was one of the great things about living in the South is the Confederate like my problem is the Confederate heritage is the people most people you talk to like the Confederate don't like it for the right reasons. Yes, I know. That's I've run into that. It's, you know, you're like I have a friend who like waved the Confederate flag, and I'm like, yeah, success. And he's like, no, we got to be a union. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, well, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> and and that's that's what was sad about that unite the right thing in Charlottesville. Some of the people there, like when Trump said there were some very fine people or whatever that thing was. There were some good people there that were actually into uh, Civil War history and were going to protest the removing of, of statues. And then you got these other idiots chanting the stuff with the tiki torches like oh, bad yeah. mix. That's not who you want to be hanging with. And yeah, it puts the so, eye of Sauron right on you. Yeah. as yeah, they it, talk. It's it, it, one thing I hate the most, honestly, is like I, I love Civil War history. I love the South, love the Confederacy. Like I am. Um, I'm all the way in artist camp. Like I am doing a podcast with my friend from uh, I have a friend from England, or sorry, Ireland, and he wants to know all about the Civil War and succession. So I'm going to do a whole explain the fact that he's five Civil War, Lincoln, everything. It's going to be a whole web oh, show cool. on Civil War. Okay, because uh, he all he knows is what he learned in his second grade class in like Italy. Yeah, so he doesn't know those jack shit. It might be better than what people learn in their second grade class in America. Who knows? Although Honestly, I'm curious to find that out. Yeah. Yeah, there's been interesting secession movements over there lately too. Not in Ireland, but in Italy. Um, oh, his, I was talking to him like he had this is an Irish succession party, and they want to succeed from Britain and join the EU. And it's like, oh yeah, of course. I, I knew <laughs> once Brexit happened, you'd get like left wing secessionary movements on, on the, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. I knew that mm-hmm. was going to happen. I wish that would happen here. Yeah, there's one thing I'm trying to figure out. Like, there's so many people who are right wing who aren't really right wing. <laughs> You know, they claim to be right wing and then they go on talking about union, nationalism, and yeah. all the same policies of the left, but it's their own bent. Like, what's his name? Um, Solab Amari, one of these uh, Tradcon people, tweeted out about he's not against vaccine mandates in principle. He's just against the left doing it. And it's like they don't have any principle reason to be against the left. Michael Noah says the same thing. Like, these people claim to be traditional conservatives. And they're not actually against anything the left does. They just don't like the fact that it's not their indoctrination. It's not their power. And they're just salty about not being in swords. Yeah, that's that's disturbing. I've not seen as much of that. Yeah, I I, I followed a lot of the trad cons and the nationalists more than I followed the other conservatives I, I should be following. Okay. Um, you you had I listen. I remember that. I want to talk to. You. I listened to your podcast with uh, Pedro Gonzalez. Yeah, he's awesome. He is awesome. I had written him off because he had that fifteen dollars minimum wage article. Oh, and yeah. I wrote him off completely, and I regret doing that. I had him blocked on Twitter and everything. Wow. Yeah, I did not like him. I was like, this guy is just a socialist hiding under the right-wing name, not listen to the podcast. I'm like, okay, no, he actually is interesting, and I'm going to – I'm probably going to subscribe to the Chronicle. You should. That- you should. That'll, you're, you're, I can tell you're like on a journey here, and you're learning all these new things. Chronicles magazine I can't recommend highly enough. And Paul Gottfried, are you familiar with him? 
a little bit. I listened to him on Tom Woods a few times. Yes, he's fabulous. And his books are also very, very good. Um, he's got a new one, I, I suppose, about fascism. Um, he's he's basically, he runs that magazine now. And uh, Pedro Gonzalez is assistant editor, but I highly recommend uh, uh, Chronicles Magazine. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get things to live with. Like I'm getting the Austrian economics journal to live with. I'm starting to have like magazines to live with. And it's it's fun to get one. You're like, I know. It's fun just to sit down and read a magazine. It's such yes. a we- like, My generation never did it, but it's still fun. How old are you? Uh, 23. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're used to like reading stuff on, on this kind of thing. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I try to avoid reading on my phone because I already, if I'm on my phone, I'll get a Twitter notification and I'll just stop reading immediately. Yeah, so sure. I try to avoid the Kindle reading, but there's so many Mises books that are free on Mises, Mises Institute that it's yep. like, I'm not going to spend, I mean, I am, I'm buying the bookstore because I want it for myself, but like, yeah, I just need to, I need to stop buying books and read them online. Well, having a magazine or a book to actually hold and, and sit and read peacefully without electronic lights in your eyes, to me is, is nice, you know, have a little yeah. bit of bourbon, chill out and a chair and read it's it's pretty relaxing yeah i like to everyone like i try to on friday nights put my record player on and lead up read a book take an hour just listen to frank sinatra read a book <clears> that relax. is exactly what i'm talking about yeah exactly you mentioned music earlier uh you're yeah. a musician what, what, what do you what kind of music do you play and listen to i play drums as far as instruments go uh i don't play too much these days but I do still sometimes I would say if I get a gig for the most part, it's traditional country music, like sixties, fifties, sixties style country. Some the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and stuff I listen to is kind of spans. I'm not one of those people that is, I listen to everything cause I certainly don't, but <laughs> I do listen to anywhere from jazz to hardcore punk rock to old reggae, ska music. Um, and old country music, stuff like that. Most of the stuff I listen to is like an organic, original version of the kind of music. I don't like a lot of new mm. stuff in any form of music. Yeah, I was listening. To, I was driving with my my coworker this a day, and I'm playing some country music. He's like, "This country, country's terrible." I'm like, "Name a country singer." He's like, "Luke Bryan." He's well, like he naming up all these new guys, and I'm like, yeah, "No, no, that no, is no. terrible." Yes. Yeah. Like this is yeah, Almond I- Brothers Band, Waylon Jennings. We're gonna listen to the good stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That he's yeah, good. He listens to uh, what's it called? Uh, company t- sixteen tons. This oh, sixteen tons all time. Yeah. Is it you? the song? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Tennessee Twenty Four. That's a great one. His voice is so such a good voice. It is. One and of, that's a line too. It's just mm-hmm. yeah, good stuff. So I, was, I, was trying, I said the other day, the South makes the best music, and people on my Facebook were like, oh. The South, you mean like Luke, like again, Luke Bryan comes up. Like, why does he keep coming up? I'm talking about like Freebird. I'm talking about like you know, Leonard Skinner. And you're talking about Luke Bryan. This is not the same. We are not the same. Elvis Presley, all the old rockabilly stuff mm-hmm. out of Memphis, all the blues stuff out of the South, all of mm-hmm. that stuff. I got an Elvis record. And um, what's a uh, punk of uh, Burn and Love? Yeah. Is my, that song, it comes on. It's like, it's just, oh, I love Elvis. Yes, that was a good old one. music is so much better. Like all this new music, like there's a few new songs that are funny for a meme, and that's about it. Yeah, I know. And often I'll see the meme, and I have to ask my wife, like, "What's this referencing?" 
Oh, babe, it's a song you've not heard. <laughs> like honestly, if it's not Kanye, that's like the only new guy I listen to, and that's only because his, his new Christian albums are really uh, the weird, but the very the very. It's like a cultural event. You know, if you're not listening to new Kanye or new Drake, you're missing out on the culture. So you listen to new stuff like that. Just to, some of my friends bring it up. I know what's going on. There's hip hop stuff too, I suppose, that I like that's not particularly old. <laughs> my theme song for my show, um, you have Jedi Mind Tricks, Army of the Pharaohs, Vinnie Pazienza, stuff like that. But it's still, it's still an extreme niche within a mm-hmm. wider set, you know. Let's let's go back earlier. We're talking about um, you mentioned Republicans who are like red pilled earlier. Yeah, a lot of them now. Yeah, I was trying to explain this to people. Like the conservatives you deal with on Twitter who read Edmund Burke are not the conservatives who listen to Russ Limbaugh. Right. You know, these are well, not just like. There's some. There, if you're gonna say reading Edmund Burke, I mean that's definitely a, a nice set of conservatives. But there are some that were listening to Rush that I still would say are much more red pilled than certainly their 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 democratic opponents you know yes. my, my parents are for the most part halfway they're they're halfway red pilled um and not because of my show by any means because <laughs> uh you know who's doing it a lot besides Donald Trump doing it was is Tucker Carlson mm. so he's helping a lot of people of that generation yeah Tucker when he, when he had on Curtis Yavin I had to reassess why yeah. I placed Tucker like Crazy. I I had placed Tucker in like this Trump camp and I never really paid attention to him. And then I'm like, oh, he's anti-war a little bit. He had cut his Yarvin on. Okay, maybe he's not. I don't know. I, I wrote anyone on Fox News goes into Son Handy Boomercon camp. And I had Tuck- to realize Tucker's Wait. not in that camp. He's not. And it's funny because I watch him every night mm-hmm. and we'll watch the first minute or two of, of Hannity. Mm-hmm. And it's just so different. It's a cartoon, you know, it's just the just it's just silly, and, and compared to the stuff you're getting from Tucker Carlson, it's it's, it's such a funny transition into Sean Hannity and his you know his boomer fucking jokes, and he's just cheesy. First book, first book that wasn't fiction or that I got was Sean Hannity's "Deliver Us from Evil." How was that? I've never read one of his books. I couldn't get through it. I oh. was like eight, but it's a signed copy. You were eight. My God, you got it like, early. Like I was like, what was that? I was at a campground, and my it was one of those leave a book, take a book things. Oh, and okay. I just I just grabbed it. All, when I was young, I watched the Fox News with my grandpa, Bill O'Reilly, Glenn Beck, and uh, uh, Hannity. Oh, okay. That was kind of my. I'd never really been on the left. Always been that kind of like good. Most left wing I gone was the tradcon stuff for like a month and a half. Yeah, that uh, Hannity's books probably written at the level of an eight year old. <laughs> well, I. It's funny. I have it on myself. I have it right next to um, – this is all about Afghanistan. I have it right next to Scott Holwin's book on Afghanistan. Oh, that's a good one. I need to get Scott to sign that book so I could have deliver- – like, I have Hannity and Scott signed copies right next you, to each other. You should do- tell him that that's why you want him to sign it too. It would be funny and show him a picture like, look who I've got right next to each other. My two heroes. <laughs> he was at Tom Woods, and if I knew he was going to beat it, I would have – I would have bought it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. He was a surprise guest, and I didn't he know was. he was going to be the out. Um, the week before here at this at the event here in Lockhart uh, for Renegade U, and he didn't say a word about being there. I didn't know he was going to be there. How was how was Renegade U? Because I Sadius Russell is one of the only people who I guess is somewhat on the left. I actually listen to. Sad is <laughs> that's funny you say that. I'm going to tell him uh, you said that. 
he's not on the left, although he definitely comes from it and he speaks mm -hmm. their language. And that's why he's yes. so good at speaking out against them. He hates them. I mean, he hates the left more than he's one of those guys that won't, he doesn't want to get pigeonholed. So he won't say I'm this or I'm that. And he does mm -hmm. that on purpose. Um, and it's business decisions that, you know, and he wants me to be that way and not, you know, <laughs> don't pigeonhole yourself. You're going to put a glass ceiling over you. Um, but he does come from that uh, segment of society and boy, can he still speak their language? And he's one of those people that's good. If you have someone who's a friend who leans left, if, if it's someone who's all the way bought in there, like you said, you can't change them, but yeah, if there's someone who's just kind of in their default settings of life, you know, walking around, looking mm -hmm. at CNN, thinking it's true. That is very good at speaking to them because he can speak their language and he doesn't come yeah. across as a macho right wing guy. And, and, I find that uh, valuable to an extent. Yeah. His, uh, his book what was it uh, when they get history of the United States yes. is one of my Very. favorite history books. Yep. It's me too. So good. Yep. I like I people that, that they, they repel you in a way that you learn things that were almost opposite of what you thought they really were. Mm -hmm. And, and so yes. that his book, that book does that. That was uh, the Wheel Lincoln by Thomas Lorenzo. That for me, that, yep. that book red pilled me on history. I was like, wait, maybe yeah. I read that. I'm like, wait, history could lie to me. Mm -hmm. and I had to like reassess everything. The victors wait. go to the victors go the spoils. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to. I want to get sad on the podcast because his whole postmodernism thing is one of the most interesting. Like a lot of my friends hate postmodernism. Yes. I'm like, I actually, I, I think when it comes to science, postmodernism is like the best thing ever. It's very good. Yes, I do too. I've had deep conversations with him here at my house. Mm -hmm. uh, he, they raise some very good points, especially when it comes to science. That's exactly right. You should get well, your, your thing, explain postmodern to, to postmodern oh, to me like I'm five. I would tweet at him tonight about that because that, that would be great. Because yeah. I, all my friends are like a lot of my friends who go to college are doing like um, English degrees. And so all I know about postmodernism is like the literary side of it when it comes to like literary analysis. Yes. And it's not the greatest because it's so stuck in reading to leftist hierarchies. Of course. When it comes to literature. But when it comes to science and like that kind of stuff, like someone who's Catholic, I think there's a lot of uh, when it comes to Catholicism and science, a lot of people try to say science disproves Catholicism. And it's like, or is it, um, one of the Thomas Aquinas' arguments for creating the universe, um, well, no, not Thomas Aquinas, William Lane Craig, his argument for the creation of the universe is that God did it because a completely random act is impossible. Random, random things don't exist. And scientists say within the last year, like, well, we got down to the quantum level and things are random. Hmm. And it's like, are they random? Like, well, we, we, we're going to say they're random because we're not going to go any deeper. Yes. And it's like, you can't make it a definitive claim on science because you're still researching into it. But they did, and now they're trying to write off all his work. Yep. And so That's I think there's so many postmodernists for Christians to kind of, when it comes to science, have a little postmodernism. They still, they still test the theory of gravity on a regular basis. Yeah, just watch one day they're going to do it and it's not going to work. Mm. <laughs> it's going to be the funniest thing ever. Like, gravity's fake. Yes. It's like, it's funny just in my simpleton mind thinking, why do you have to test it? Doesn't the fact that you walked to the place to do the test show you that it's real? But yeah, whatever. They they got to find some way to make money. Mm -hmm. They got to have some kind of budget. I'm funded by some NGO. Yeah, I'm sure. Five million a month for testing gravity. Yes, exactly. Oh. And you've got to be maxed. 
Yep. It's like, what is it? The test is this like my see the test is they just pour some cocaine on a table and if it doesn't float up, yeah, it's real. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the only test. It just wet my nose. Ugh. <sighs> so what books are you, are you currently reading any uh, interesting books or are you uh kind of just busy with the whole podcast and the whole I am. I'm reading uh a few things. This is going to be a spoiler alert for someone who I have not announced yet that I'm having on my show. I've not even seen him pimp out the fact that he wrote this. In fact, I'm not going to show you who wrote it. It doesn't say on the front. But this is an ebook that I'm reading. Common Sense, a case for an independent Texas. Ooh. Ooh. It doesn't have his name. Very famous. Everyone listening to this knows who he is, I guarantee you. Uh, and I'm reading a really cool book. Man, I can't remember the author's name. It's in my I have a little reading spot in the front room. Um, called it's do you know who Schultz and Eatson is? The name sounds familiar. He wrote he was a Soviet, he was in a Soviet prison camp. He wrote the Gulag Archipelago. Okay. Um, okay. There's an author that took a lot of his speeches and writings throughout the years and put them in a book, a very right-wing author, and the book's called uh, something like Schultzenitsyn from the Right or Viewing Schultz. I, I, I'm going to say that word so many times I can't say it. Viewing Schultzenitsyn, Schultzenitsyn from the Right. So it's a right-wing author basically breaking down, here's this speech, here's what he meant by it. It's really good, a very easy read. And so it's helping me, you know, when these guys write these books that are a thousand pages like Solzhenitsyn did, uh, it's like the Mises reader you can get and it breaks apart some of Mises's writings. Um, it's, it's, so it's doing that from a right wing perspective. It's really good. Nice. Nice. And I've been reading. I got that new book that they put together of Hoppe's essays. I'm still going through that as well. Mm. And then someone just told me to get this. How the West won and left its story of triumph of modernity. Yeah, I don't know if I would agree with it or not, but someone I respect <laughs> said, "Get this." So I'm. That's up next, I suppose. Oh, you know nice. what? I got Patrick Newman uh, from the Mises Institute. I, I'm going to have him on. I so I have a copy of his new book, uh, Cronyism. Cron, yeah, on Cronyism. I have the pre-order. I'm just waiting for it to come in the mail because he's also agreed to come on, and so I'm just waiting to get. I'm wait, I want to read it because I, I really enjoyed the progressive air and uh, yeah, I, I, I really want I talk to him and read the book, but I'm still waiting for the pre-order to come in. Yeah, it's 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 so far so good, and uh, I, I I keep reading a lot of different stuff. I just finished reading Out of Control: Apocalyptic Psychology in the Age of Trump, and the the author of that book is on my episode that just dropped today, so I'm finished with that, and I don't see any more over there that I got to hit. And right off the bat but yeah those are the ones right now schultz and nietzsche nice. from the right really cool nice nice so you you've been called and considered one of the uh, one of the better or if not the best interviewer when it comes to podcasting how do you go about writing your questions like do you just go in for a conversation and you kind of write questions out in advance like what's your strategy for conducting a good podcast that's a good question i first do an outline mm -hmm. uh and sloppy, uh, you know, just writing with a, my pen on a paper. And then I'll type up generally a question, but I don't read from it like it's a script, if that makes sense. And I type it in big writing. I probably got some I could show. I, I type it in big writing so I can see it, basically. 
Like that's the last mm-hmm. interview I did yesterday with James Corbett of the Corbett Report. Um, and so I, I'll, I write notes as I go, as they say things that make me think of something else that I had not jotted down. So it's just kind of organic and, and comes as, as the guy speaking or guy or girl speaks with me. But at the same time, I'll have notes generally where I, in case the guy just kind of pauses or, you know, fizzles out, I know immediately I can go somewhere with it. Nice. nice. I can't, I do a similar thing. Normally it's just, I write out a few prompts for saying, and I hope, I hope to God it prompts a conversation and he doesn't just like end it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I like but, guys that uh, go on and on, you know, I mean, obviously Scott's like the extreme version of that Scott Horton is, but it is nice to be able to let it's like a good wine, you're letting it breathe, like let the guest, you know, do their thing and, and talk yeah. about it. And uh, but when I go on other shows like this, I think, hope I'm not talking too much. And, and you know, <laughs> people come on mine, I want them to talk more. I had Scott Horton on for a Star Wars episode a while ago and he would just go off and on 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 and it was it was amazing it was great and i'm sitting there listening and he paused and i'm like what's he pausing for i didn't pause the episode i'm like oh i'm in the episode i have to say something now <laughs> like i completely forgot i was like you're listening an episode. man sure yeah it was Did he know a lot of stuff even about that too yes god dang he knows a lot about everything it feels like like he he talks like such an everyday guy, and you talk to him like deep about things. You're like, oh, you're ridiculously smart too. Yes, I. Uh, the last time we spoke on on for a show, right before we started, I said, so just here's what I wanted to talk to you about, and I um, I started to say it. And he goes, you don't have to prep me. Oh, <laughs> okay, true. I guess I don't. So, uh, and it's funny because you get some guests that are like tell me what we're talking about. And I had one guest that was like, please write the questions out and send them to me. And so, you know, Scott is so against that kind of thing. It's, it's refreshing. You know, it's nice that someone can just, just go on and on and on. And he knows a lot and he's not just bullshitting, you know, it's impressive. Like I try, I I try to say today on the Scott Horn podcast episodes, but I'm so for one, for one affairs and anti-worship is so outside of my element. Okay. I just, I, I feel like it's so many things I don't know. That I'm never gonna memorize the names. Yes. That I just I just leave it to the people who are really good at it, and I kind of stay out of that whole space. Yeah. That I know it like the time I the time I would spend to get really good at it is not the time I want to spend on other things. And so I'm gonna let other people who are like Scott or Ace from Twitter who are great at it just mm-hmm. make that the focus. So let's um, you've had on a lot of interesting people. You've had on Pete. You've had on Andrew from Popular Liberty. You've had on Matt, Adam, Patrick. Those are all my friends. Oh, they're great people. I mean, every time one of them puts out a podcast, I'm like, let's listen to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your opinion of Andrew's alcotropism uh, 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 and anti-tax? Because a lot of people are either really fans of it or they really hate it. They re- who really hates it? Anyone who's an, who was a hot, lives in Capistan on their head. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew some people were against some of the things Andrew says, but I didn't know that they were against those things in particular. Uh, well, obviously, I'm, I, I'm a fan of, of both of those things. It took me, it's funny, archotropism took me maybe three different times of hearing him explain it to really sink in. 
And I, I think my brain just works that way with, with stuff that's so, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, not analytical, but <clears throat> maybe just so different out of the ordinary, I suppose. Um, it took me that the same thing with Curtis Yarvin when I was listening to him or reading him. It took me a few times through uh, because it's so different from what you're used to hearing, maybe. And so, yeah, I, 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 I love Andrew's stuff. It's, it's brilliant in its own, you, you know, unique way, I would say. Yeah. I, I've had him on the podcast. My longest podcast was Andrew. We went for two and a half hours. My God. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I don't know. I, I think we, I somehow planned it like that. I texted, I, I DM'd him like, Hey, how long can he go for? He's like, I don't know, probably two hours. I'm like, okay, I'll sort my question down. Cause I had yeah, so many yeah, things yeah. I wanted to ask him because he just, we're both Catholic, we're both paleos and so anti-tax and so many, there's so many avenues for conversations. And like Scott, he can just go off on tangents. Yes. And you never want to interrupt the tangent because it's so interesting. Yes. And so he just go off and I'm like, okay, let me write down. Like I had like three pages of notes just from interviewing him. Just like after the interview, because I'm like, okay, I got to this up. I got to nice. this up. Okay. Yeah. 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 Bringing up things. I'm like, I got to Google that one. Got to Google that one. It was, it was great. One of the things that's cool about what his plans uh, is that it's not just talk and fluff and, mm. and, and based on just spreading messages and things like that, which those things can be fine. It's putting uh, words actually into action to have achievable, realistically achievable goals. And so I, I appreciate that about it. Yeah. Like, like I said, I, that is one thing I do like about when I talk to, I listen to his podcast. I talk to him. It's like, I don't like much as I love listening to Dave Smith or the other like those kind of people. I do feel walk away feeling like well, all I'm like the call to action at the end of it is just go get on Twitter and argue with people more, which is fun. I do that a lot. Whereas Andrew, it's like I don't need the call to action is we're gonna win. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't. I don't think Dave's call to action is to argue with people more on Twitter. I think it's a more positive message than that. Although some of his uh, serious. You know, I don't. I'm not trying to be use this as a derogatory term, but like fanboys, that is what they yeah. seem to want to do. Well, my, my thing was uh, so many of the my problem was the Mises Caucus. It's just a lot of people in there that they, how do I put this? They're not doing anything more than they post it on Twitter. Yeah, but they act like they're fully involved in the movement. Yeah, I mean, and even if you are fully involved in the Libertarian Party movement, it's it's still largely irrelevant yeah. so i mean like matt, matt matt's analogy of being king of the sandbox at a giant playground is perfect i mean because that's what that is i i did it for a long long time and in 2016 when i was going to try to represent hornberger and be a delegate i went back to this austin travis county lp meeting and lo and behold it's the same people just 10 to 15 years older than when i first went Still in the same little club, still mm -hmm. having done absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I I came to the Liberty Movement from uh, George Jorgensen, and so I never really know I don't know the LP situations or walkings too well. It's not good. I, I, Stay yeah, away. I, I can if they if they produce George Joe Jorgensen, I can imagine it's not very good. Yeah, and, and we talked about the independent spirit and streak here in Texas. The Texas LP is among the worst in the entire country. It's so crazy. Oh it's gosh. so blue pill cringe leftist. It's nuts. Even the even the Mises Caucus of Texas, 
not on Twitter. Right. Doesn't seem. Yeah. Now the Florida Mises Caucus, I I I um followed him on Facebook and put them in the group. They're cool. Okay. They're cool. They were like they straight up said, yeah, when, like um. I don't know, it starts on, there's a whole debate on Twitter a while ago, but like, since so the libertarians want someone against DeSantis, and a lot of music club people are like, yeah, you gotta want someone against DeSantis to like pull from the left. Like, that's gonna happen. And the music caucus of Florida was like, we're not fucking doing that. That's stupid. Good. You're good. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. It was, it was weird. Like, the Florida music caucus was like, yeah, this is dumb. We're not doing it. And the music caucus on Twitter was like, no, you should do it. You should want this guy because he can pull from the left. And it's like, it's like when you have the people on the ground in the area saying it's stupid and you're in another state, you shouldn't yeah. be commenting on that. Right. There's a lot of people in other states that they they don't understand the seriousness that in the way that DeSantis has impacted people's lives in Florida. Mm -hmm. They just kind of write it off like, oh, well, yeah, I'm sure he's okay on that. It's like, no, no, no. You not you, you are in a state and you're okay with being locked down and and having places that it make you get a vaccine. Not everyone lives that shit life. And so yeah. it, it's like this, they can't see it from, from, from the eyes of someone in Florida. It's crazy. And I've noticed mm -hmm. that a lot. And Tho even said, um, well, I won't get into that. It's, I don't want to say anything that he said offline to me. But yeah, I, I see that a lot, so. Yeah, that was kind of one of the prompts for the episode. Was the podcast was noticing that the people from Florida and Texas, they never they, like people who don't live in Florida, and Texas, probably have never had a good governor, and so they don't have anything to compare it to. Correct. Why, I've had a good governor. I know a governor who's like the Sanders, who's not great. You know, like when it comes to police and that kind of stuff, he's not great. But when it comes to COVID, I know anybody else. He is the best there is on COVID. Yes, and right now, the only thing that matters right now. Because of my governor, a what I would generally call a lukewarm, uh, milk toast conservative, uh, I still have a job, so it's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, it's. Hmm. Yeah, it honestly it, it bugs me a little, a little bit. I get it's like I'm, I have a lot of friends in other states, and it gets kind of frustrating when they don't they. I put this. I want to. I'm gonna. Okay, Jacob, if you're listening, I'm not. I'm not putting you down. I think you're doing great work in Pennsylvania. Um, but you don't understand what Florida politics is like, and when you try to speak on other states without being on the ground in the area, you don't know what you're talking about, and your ideas of what would work good in your state do not carry over to every other state. <laughs> Interesting. Who who did you say that about? I have a friend, Jacob Wingrad, of the uh, biblical, uh, biblical Daniel Street Biblical Anarchy. He's a he works in the Mises Caucus in the state, and it, it works good in his state because there's no word GOP presence in his state, so it makes sense to kind of go Mises Caucus. There's no presence of the GOP is nothing. There's no DNC. It's just like politically ambiguous. So that makes sense okay. to go Mises Caucus there. In Florida, that'd be ridiculously a waste of a waste of time. That. Yeah, I mean, if you say politically ambiguous, I'm sh that means it's run by the left, basically. <laughs> there is no politically yeah. ambiguous place that's right wing. Yeah, it's kind of true. That's true. Uh, the way he explained Pennsylvania, it's kind of like people don't, they're not really into politics, you know? And so they kind of have a indifference to it, but it's just room for the left to take over. 
Yes, exactly. There's they're so steeped in, in Democratic Party politics that they don't even, can't even see anything outside of it. Yeah, that is one thing. Um, I was reading Socialism by Mises today, and he yeah. made this point that um, that's a thick one. I am I am loving it. I'm doing an entire months of Mises books book club episodes, and I am cool. um, trying to get through all Mises books. And he made a point that even like the best people against socialists. Like the people who were praised at this time, who were praised as being defenders against socialism, were all arguing for policies that simply got socialism slower. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, right. there's no real, uh, there was really no one who went after socialism. So it's like, oh, we're against socialism, and he's not a socialist. He doesn't want socialism immediately. He wants it in five years. So he's not a socialist. Yes, yes. the middle of the road leads to socialism. I read that the other day, and it's mm-hmm. probably my favorite Mises thing. Like I, my favorite, my favorite was uh, Marxism Unmasked. Yeah, um, or maybe life, life and prop, liberty and property. But I read that one. I'm like, that was pretty good. Like, yes. I, I, I love reading Rothbard. I love reading Hopper. But Mises is the best. Is my favorite one. Like, that is good. the guy to read. I okay. can't get enough reading Mises. Tho would love hearing that. I want to get so on for one of Mises books, but I'm not sure what's one. I'm trying to figure out what's a good one for him. But just ask him. I think I will DM him because this, I, I got um. Tomorrow, I get my last bath. Tomorrow, by tomorrow night, we'll have every single Mises uh, writing on in physical copy. I think nice. I might be missing two, but that's only because I can't find them. Which ones? I think I'm missing omnipotent government. Okay. Um, and I think the other one was anti-capitalist mentality. Oh, those are the ones I, I need to pick up. But I'm I'm waiting to. I know I, need, I think those are two I need to pick up. No, and uh, no, I, I have anti-capitalist mentality. It's bureaucracy I need. That one yeah. on Amazon I went to buy, but it was sold out. And so I might go to the Mises Institute and just buy it from there. Okay, cool. Now complete have my Mises set. Institute? Have you been there? No, I have not. Oh, it's amazing. Also, there's an event coming up next weekend in Florida they're putting on. I, I saw that, and I'm trying to do the whole student scholarship thing and see if I can go to it. Okay, yeah. nice. I'm, I'm, my, my, my college right now screwed me over. I was trying to do um, all my classes and stay active and try to get my AA in a year, year and a half. Uh-huh. And I dropped the class, and uh, the, the computer system rejected my drop, so they put me oh. down as a failed withdrawal. And I went to complain about, it, and they said, "Oh, the computer system will catch up to you before it's time to sign up for more classes." It didn't. Dropped my GPA, put me on academic probation, and I lost all my student loans. Oh no! Jeez. Yeah. Well, mainly, and then after that whole situation, the card doesn't like me because I was taking a quiz that was on a locked, and I didn't know it was on a locked. Was on. And so I made a joke. I have a joke about schools that if school teachers, if teachers and school officials were so scared of if schools getting shot up, you think they'd be nice to the students. Yeah, right. And <laughs> apparently the honor lock heard that and they contacted the police. Oh, wow. wow. And so I had a sheriff deputy trying to find me all over the place. He called me on the phone trying to get a hold of me. I had to do like, and he talked to me for like an hour. Like, listen, I know they suck, but you can't swear in to suit them up. Oh, okay. And so the school does not what happened with me. And so I, I had to, I took a break. I took a little semester off, kind of let things calm down a bit before I go back. Yeah, probably wise. Yeah. But the, the January, I'm going, I'm, I'm quitting my job and going full time to school in January. And so that's going to be uh, exciting. I'm excited Good. to do full time school, full time podcasting. It's yeah. going to be, it's going to be great. Good. Uh, we are running up on an hour. Um, I have one more question I wanted to ask you because I ask, I ask, I try to ask every guest uh, this question. 
This is okay. the Catholic libertarian. So what is your religious kind of history? Were you raised religious? Are you non-religious? What is your, if you're going to talk about it, what is your religious history? I would, I was raised, um, hardcore, uh, kind of, you know, the Bible thumper Christian preachers. Mm. That's how I was raised with that going on. In fact, he's very famous. His name is John Hagee. Uh, he's in San Antonio. And, yeah, he's, he's, he's a fire and brimstone guy. Um, and then I got out of it. And when I was kind of a blue pilled uh, libertarian, I would say I was uh, agnostic probably or atheist. And now I'm kind of headed away from agnostic and atheist. And I'm not sure where I'm at at this point in time, but uh, it's a bit of a journey. So we'll see. Nice, nice. Well, Catholicism is a great option. Thank you. I got, I got, I have to pitch that whenever someone says agnostic. Well, check it's, this out. You know, I, I, you're aware that uh, Orthodox Christianity is all the rage right now with some people yeah. in our corners. Interesting that in all of this little Central Texas area that I'm in near near Austin, the the Orthodox Church is in my town that I live in now, Lockhart, this small country town, the only one. So I was like, hmm. I don't know if that's a sign, but maybe I'll be checking it out at some point. I can't recommend it enough. I going to a uh, pre-Reformation church service is one of the yeah. most beautiful experiences you can do. Okay. They are. My, my, I was raised Pentecostal, so I was raised with the whole people running around, flapping their arms, trying to fly into the sky. Yes. Service. Yes. And then I went to a Catholic service, and it was so reverent and quiet and just – it was amazing. I can't. I can't describe how much I loved it. Nice. You know, I yeah, at the place I went young when I was younger, there was speaking fairly often. It was interesting. I guess they don't have that at the Orthodox place, but <laughs> the Orthodox. I I have my issues. I have my problems with the Orthodox because I'm Catholic. I think they're wrong on the filioque way and a few other like theological debates. But overall, I have no hatred. I love the Orthodox. Like any, they just so. Like the Catholic Church is very Aristotelian and Aristotle, but yeah. the Orthodox is so Platonist and Plato-like. And I, much as I, I read Aristotle and agree with Aristotle, I love reading Plato a little bit more than Aristotle. And so I kind of fall into that category. Sadly, we are running out of time. I'll have to get you on again to talk more because this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, no. Before we go, two more, uh, what books would you recommend to people? If you could recommend any, any three books, what book would you recommend? Ooh. That is a good question. I, I know it's trendy and I know those people that refer to us, uh, you know, as a pejorative post libertarians, I would have to say the Machiavellians by James Burnham. Very important. Fantastic book. Um, I would use this off the top of my head. Why not? Uh, mm, 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 mm. Against the left by Lou Rockwell. I just finished that the other day. That is a okay. fantastic book. Yes, it is. Um, this is just a random, you know, throwing stuff out there. Let's see. I would also say then Democracy, the God that Failed by Hoppe. Um, I would – and one more, uh, Reclaiming the American Right. That is the only one of those lists I haven't read, and I would Vermont. need to and read those. Um, wait, yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good one. Hold on, there's a Rothbard one that's almost the same thing. 
betrayal of the American right. That's just a similar thing. So by Rothbard, that's a good one. And okay, one more. The, irre <laughs> the sorry, the irrepressible Rothbard. It's a collection of his works from the '90s. Very, very important. Very good. So every book you listed, I have read, and all but the last one I've done a podcast. I have a podcast on, or I will be doing a podcast on by the end of the month. So Excellent. If listening. Uh, Machiavellians was with uh, Matt Erickson. Against yes. the left, we was Project Strat from Twitter. Democracy oh, God the Fair will be done with uh, was done with Jared from In Democracy, and uh, uh, Betrayal of the American Right was done with So Bishop. And so, if you guys, anyone listening, wants to read those books and check out the podcast, I would appreciate it. That is badass. All right, and the South was right by the Kennedy brothers. Check that out. The South is right. Yes, I have a, I have one of my uh, one of the questions the British guy uh, you. I always going to ask me at the end of the podcast is uh, what are some kick-ass uh, Southern country songs? And I'm going to tell them uh, the South, well, what would happen if the South would have won by Hank yeah, uh, um, Jr. Like, yes. Yeah, so I always, I always forget his name. Well, there's Hank Jr. Saying if the South would have won, we'd have it made. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a good one. Well, Buck, where can people find you at? At Buck Rebel on Twitter, B-U-C-K-R-E-B-E-L. You can find any of the stuff you need at counterflowpodcast.com. It's got all of the links to the, all of the episodes, the Patreon stuff, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all of that stuff. Counterflowpodcast.com. Got it. Okay, guys, another episode of the Catholic Libertarian Podcast. Uh, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and read more books. Yeah.